This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Welcome to the new series of the Olive Magazine podcast, Raise Your Cooking Game. I'm Janine, Deputy Editor and Podcast Host. Each episode, I'll be consulting our cookery team experts to take a deep dive into a different subject with tips, tricks and advice for getting it right. And do listen out for our weekly bonus episodes where we'll be focusing on a classic recipe from the archive and explaining how to make it with perfect results every time. This episode, I'm talking to Olive's deputy food editor and keen baker, Adam, about his specialist subject, bread. Welcome, Adam. Hello. Nice to see you. Yeah, nice to actually see you yeah. in, the, in the flesh. <laughs> My first in real life yeah, um, yeah. podcast for in a, in a, a while, year. yeah. <laughs> um, so first of all, I thought I'd get you to explain your bread credentials, your bread expertise. Um, well, I used to be a baker, so that's my real credential. Um, I was a chef, um, and I hadn't really baked that much bread, to be honest. I'd baked like a, a focaccia, like a really easy sort of kneaded white loaf. And then I was a chef and basically had the opportunity to go and work as a baker for uh, a year. I, I stopped being a chef and this opportunity arose to become like a sort of be a sourdough baker. So I literally went the next day i quit when obviously you worked my notice and then um that went the next day and became a sourdough baker yeah and learned all the ropes so um yeah that's my that's my experience really i did that for about a year nine months before actually when i came and worked at olive that yeah. was like the last thing i did and then obviously over the past few years you've written probably hundreds of res brilliant recipes but quite a few of those have been really great bread recipes as yeah. well yeah yeah great okay so um the first thing we're going to talk about is um, steps to success. So the things you absolutely need to nail 
to become um, a, a decent bread baker. So let's start with the first one you've picked out, which is um, flour. Yeah, I mean, bread is is one of those foodstuffs which actually is like comes. It has relatively few ingredients, and flour probably being the most important one. Um, and really, learning more or learning how to use the flour and what flour um, will create like better breads. Really, mm. I guess. Um, I mean. For bread, you need to you don't you need to use um, strong white bread flour. It's like the classic, which gives you the white loaf, um, and it's called strong because it's been specifically um, picked out for having a high gluten content. Okay. Um, and not to get too complicated, but gluten is the sort of protein that sort of holds all the structure in place as yeah. the bread rises and creates that structure to hold those. Um, gases and air bubbles in so you get a nice rise a nice big tall bake without being dense um and hard um and then a uh, wholemeal is like obviously the probably the other thing that a lot of people use mm. um and that's probably the same um wheat plant but it's got all the rusk and all the outer bits um kept on um it's more nutritious but it often makes can make your bread slightly um, more dense because really they're like heavy so um, it stops your bread from being as light because it's kind of holding that structure back yeah. a little bit. You can't just chuck any flour in the mix, can you? Should you kind of look for, specifically look on the packet to say you can use it for bread? I mean, I know you can, at a pinch, for example, use plain flour for things like flatbreads, but it's not the best for a loaf, is it? Yeah, really. I mean, you can make bread with plain flour, but you have to expect that the, re the results won't be as good as with strong white bread flour. Like if you're going to make bread strong white, uh, is, is is should be your, your go-to and then really aside from that there's like this whole sort of other category of like what we call like the ancient grains that you might have seen um things like spelt iron corn um rye um and basically these are just types of wheat that like they're called ancient grains because they were some of the original species of uh, of wheat and whereas like, as opposed to where um strong white bread flour they've sort of isolated really strong ones and sort of guided it into being something for our use the ancient ones kind of have different characteristics which bring different things to baking so like spelt is like a really nutty flavor rye kind of has sort of gray color and a real like a nice sourness when you use it um uh emma has like a really golden color which is often what they use for pasta making things like that um so yeah they're like yeah they're like different they're like they're still the same thing but they're often not quite as strong as what strong white bread flour because that's been isolated specifically for that um they all have their own sort of characteristics that you can add to your to your bread do you use them on their own or would you combine them with a bit of the... yeah i mean it, it, i personally i always combine i always do probably 50% strong white bread flour and then we'll use one of the other flours whether that's wholemeal whether it's wholemeal spelt or even white spelt because often um they're just not as strong so you kind of want to balance that like flavor texture with like the air bubbles the the height you know the lightness that that mm. nice bread comes with mm. and on to the second ingredient you mentioned water why is water so important in bread making? I mean, water is something you can definitely play with in your baking. It's, it's, it's really important. And it's actually probably the thing that most bakers talk about and play around with. Um, because, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things that if you're starting out, there's probably like a set amount of water that you, like the recipe tells you. Um, and I probably would stick to that if you're starting out. But when, when you go... Um, bake bake a few more times you can sort of might try and increase the water because the more water there is in the dough the better the gluten development will be 
So basically the better your bread will turn out but it's kind of like if you think about a graph with two axes or then a sort of diagonal line mm. at some point there's like the sweet spot between how much water not enough water and not enough water but if you tip it over either side it can kind of have quite not like disastrous results but you know not not the best <laughs> so something like um i'm thinking something simple like focaccia which you mentioned before that i've made yeah and it's a very wet dough isn't yeah. it for the re for a reason that it's it it gets those incredible bubbles. So mm. is, is that part of it? Just the more water you add, the more kind of... Yeah, I mean, really, it, it's it's the fact that you can get a lot of water into that dough because you don't have to... It, it's free form. It bakes in a tin. Mm. So if you're wanting a loaf to stand proud and be, like, really firm and upright, you don't... You, it's kind of like a limit to how much water that you want to add before it literally starts slipping and, and sort of, like, you know, sliding away as you when, you when you go to bake it. Okay, and then on to something that again, is vital in bread, um, yeast. There's um, there's a lot of different yeasts out there. There's uh, the fast action yeast. There's kind of dried yeast that you get in a little tub. There's obviously fresh yeast. Mm -hmm. um, what, what's the difference between them all? I mean, this is actually probably something that a lot of people don't really know too much about that, you know, there is standard yeast and fast action yeast, and that's just the dried bit of it. Um, I think a lot, I don't think, I mean, I didn't really know about it too much until I started baking. Um, and the fact that the regular yeast is kind of, it's all, it's both freeze dried, but they have slightly bigger particles almost like they're bigger little bits. Um, and so you have to hydrate them before adding them to the dough. So like, you know, a lot of recipes will say, so, you know, mix it with the water and whisk it until it starts to be frothy and you can see it sort of activated. Then you tip it into your flour whereas with fast action you basically can just bung everything in together and regular is also quite sensitive to salt so whereas you keep it separate to hydrate it then mix it with the flour and salt and everything fast action you can chuck everything in a bowl the salt the flour and everything and just mix it together um so it's kind of like easier to use i think really so what what does salt do to the yeast if it when it it'll kill it yeah it'll oh, kill really? it yeah yeah um yeah it's it really i mean like direct salt on yeast yeah it's it's it really doesn't like it any bacteria really but you know mixed into a dough at one to two percent yeah it's just makes it tasty <laughs> so your so your regular yeast your dried yeast when you're adding your sugar and water mm -hmm. and, and sort of letting it become frothy that is you kind of giving it that first burst of yeah, yeah, you're you're effectively um, bringing it back to life. It's just yeah. dormant. Otherwise, then adding that water literally it suddenly awakens and it's like, okay, let's eat some sugar, let's eat some carbs, and produce carbon dioxide, which is make what makes the bubbles. And then um, fresh yeast. So it's, it's a type of yeast that has been um, harnessed for its bread making or like powers. So um, it creates a lot of carbon dioxide. It proves quite quickly. It gets started quickly. Um, but the reason why home bakers probably don't have it as much is that it, it's it's perishable. You know, it's it's a, it's a living thing. So you, it has like a, a shelf life, fridge life, you know, that, that you can't keep around forever. Whereas dried yeast, you can, you know, it's got, you know, years that you can yeah. suddenly just go and be like, oh, I'll bake a loaf of bread tomorrow. But it will it will deteriorate at some point, won't it? Yeah, yeah, it will. It's, yeah, it's important to check that. You can't just keep it for... Uh, like, you know, but like my mum's probably got some in her cupboard that's about 10 years old. Yeah. <laughs> that is my mum's entire yeah, yeah. cupboard. <laughs> Spices I brought up in 1999. Yeah. Um, and just lastly, on these on these tips to like really nail your bread making, have you got any tips about how you can 
kind of boost a regular home oven? Because obviously most people haven't got access to baking ovens. Yeah, so I mean, in your home oven, you're almost you're always trying to um, replicate like a bakery's oven. And I mean, if you're lucky and you've got a fancy oven um, that has like, you can actually like inject steam into it so you can create a steamy environment. And the reason why you want a steamy environment for when you're baking, because that's kind of doesn't sound, it's like, why would you want to steam your bread as yeah. opposed to bake it? It's because... In the initial part of the, of the bread baking, you want a steamy environment because that stops the crust from forming too soon. And so when the crust forms too soon, it basically stops as much rise as you can get. So if it's in a steamy environment, it basically keeps rising and rising and rising, and then eventually it'll set, and then it will then it will caramelize once all the steam burns off. And that's how um, like a fully loaded, like wood-fired oven in the old days, that's how it worked, basically, is that at the first bit, it would be really steamy in there, and that's how your bread's, you know, rising, 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 rising. And then, like, the second half of baking is just caramelization, dark crust, you know, for the crunch. Um, and so to replicate that home, if you haven't got, like, like, I know some ovens actually do now, you can, you can like, inject steam and make it all steamy and really hot, because you need both. You need to be really hot and steamy. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you can do things like, um, I bake my bread in cast iron pots because that literally creates like a trapped environment mm. and the steam comes from the, the water evaporating from the bread dough. So as the bread bakes, the water evaporates and it gets trapped in that really tight environment. And then that's how you get that full rise. But if you don't have a cast iron pot or a, like, you know, a casserole, le creuset, whatever, um, you can um, put a tray at the bottom and soak. There's like, you can throw ice cubes and ice water or a kettle of boiling water or you can soak um, tea towels in water use your old not your family's best ones and um, soak them in water and then put them in the bottom of the oven in a, in a in a tray so that they'll like gradually remember to take them out halfway through as well otherwise um, <laughs> they might get crispy um but yeah you're basically any way that you can try and get steam mm. into um the oven for your and you honestly the results are incredible Stick around for more expert bread advice from Adam. Okay, so the next section I'm calling Mythbusters, mm -hmm. um, talking about some common misconceptions that people have around bread. Um, so the first one is all bread must be kneaded, pummeled to death. Is that true? Well, having been a sourdough baker, <laughs> which you do not need, um, I would say that no, not all bread does need, need to be, there's going to be a lot of needs here. Not all bread needs to be kneaded. Yeah. Um, but if you're making a yeasted bread, I would say that yes, probably. Gluten will align itself. I'm just, this is going to be complicated. Gluten will align itself over time. Um, but often when you're using dried, uh, like if you're not using sourdough, basically, you probably aren't giving it that much time. Mm. So you want to, kneading is you aligning the gluten bonds yourself. So you're literally hammering them into long strands by kneading and pressing and, and forcing them together. Um, whereas with sourdough, you kind of let, they will do it themselves. They like want to, you know, they want to all join up and link up, but it, it kind of takes a bit of time. And sourdough is a very slow product to make. Um, whereas a lot of yeasted breads are a lot faster. So it's just easier just to, just to do that yourself, really. So what about so-called no-need bread that isn't sourdough? Often that will be slow, no-need bread. Like it, it will take a, a, like a, a lot of time. And you can do it through like gentle folding. It's, um, it's much easier with a higher hydration. 
so sourdoughs or no need bread it might it might be you don't handle it very much because it would be sticky because it's higher hydration um and yeah it'll be the time like it'll probably be it might be overnight you leave it overnight um or something like that so again something like your focaccia dough you can mix it put it in a bowl and then stick it in the fridge covered and then you're and then you're just proving it sorry you're rising it overnight on so that's interesting so so rather than you can do it in what 10 15 minutes with your hands or mm-hmm. a dough hook mm-hmm. or you'll get a similar result if you then just leave it to slowly do it itself yeah. overnight yeah i mean don't absolutely hold me to that don't just like change your whole baking <laughs> schedule but like no there yeah, are but, breads there are bread recipes and yeah. we have some i think online that actually will give you the directions in order for you to do that successfully yeah yeah, yeah. and a lot a lot of that a lot of times you'll probably use less yeast than you're used to for those breads because mm-hmm. you want the growth but you also want the gluten to build as it over time so like the two are growing together effectively yeah um another um i don't know if this is a myth i mean it's it's kind of true but that you you absolutely need a warm environment for your bread to rise i mean that that kind of links into what we've just said doesn't it yeah i mean (laughs) yeast or bread yeast loves warmth yeah it will you know if you if you heat it up to a certain uh like it it will basically up until like 50 60 degrees before it starts dying it loves it like it will go crazy um but i think the optimum bread's proving temperature is about 26 so yeah i mean fairly warm but you can do fun things with with temperature with bread so um like the the sort of no need sort of techniques and sourdough often have an, an overnight proof, mm. um, which kind of changes how the yeasts react. And it kind of starts to become dormant again. But it, in that time, it doesn't really produce much gas, but it is producing, it is still like feeding kind of. Um, so it basically gives you a more complex flavor often because it's creating like when yeast is eating the carbohydrates or the sugars in the flour, it creates things like acetic um, and lactic acid, which combined with the sugar in the carbohydrates complete, like gives us this sort of like, you know, deeper, deeper flavor, really. Mm. Um, so that's a lot, a lot, a lot of times that's, but, but if you also have, just have a cold house, uh, yeah, just, it will just take longer, to be honest. So just time, really. Yeah, It'll do just, the same job. Yeah. Just, so as long as the yeast is, has been, cor- you know, if you, if you start off with dry, as long as it's been correctly, it's not dead to begin with if it's dried yeast like you've had it five years. Yeah, yeah, like said. yeah. Um, and as long as it's been correctly incorporated, it, it will eventually get to that point. It'll just take longer. It, it should, yeah, it should do. Yeah, 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 it should do. But if you have a cold house, I just say use um, warm water. Yeah. Because not unless you want it to take forever. But. Yeah. And just like hooking back to, um, to yeast, mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people say that fresh yeast is better than dried or in the past it's kind of like oh you know go to the bakers and ask them for some fresh yeast i mean is it better it's or is it just going to do the same job for, for me it's just going to do the same job I, I think that um i think it's probably associated as better because professional bakers use fresh as opposed to dried so therefore you know to to you're wanting to emulate like you know a bakery's goods right so you want to use the same thing so they'll be like no i'm going to use fresh as opposed to dried but really, the reason why big bakeries use um, fresh is it, it basically it, dried yeast is incredibly potent. So if you're making something like an overnight, overnight ferment for something like baguettes or something, for like a batch of four, you'd literally need a pinch of dried yeast. Whereas 
the weight of fresh yeast is more. So you can kind of be more exact with fresh yeast. So if you're doing things en masse, it, it basically just means that you can, it, yeah, you can be more precise when you're, do, when you're making like big batches of things because the reality is you don't want to use too much yeast because it tastes yeasty. You know, it has it does have a flavor profile, and also um, it makes things rise um, rapidly and not often in that sort of even, lovely way that you want them to. It might sporadically go in one way and be really bubbly, or might create like a, a, a bulbous dome on the top of your bread that's like empty, like a big hole or anything like that. If you've used too much yeast, so you want to use like the right amount. Mm. And so, when when you're doing things on mass in a big bakery, you want to use fresh because it, it means that you can get that right like every time Brilliant. whereas dried is like it's like supercharged it's cool i want to get some um some great recipe suggestions things you can add how you can get creative with your bread what have you got for me well if you want to get creative i know that you wrote uh, like a focaccia art recipe which you can become um, a modern artiste with your bread making um and yeah you can use loads of fun things like what was it um like onion petals for like like peppers. to so like, i use peppers i used um olives for, for the middle middle of flowers mm -hmm. and then um, roasted red peppers to make petals out of and, and yeah like spring onions chives it's like anything anything that you can think of deli wise like stuff you get out of a jar usually that's in olive oil as well capers yeah. for like tiny little things yeah, yeah yeah and that's that is just a fun thing to do i mean i did it with my niece rudy who's was like 10 at the time and uh, kids love doing stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. And it looks great. I love, I love doing stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, aside from that, like you say, I mean, any of those things that you just said, you can put it in your dough. Right. Um, so you can fold it through. Um, you can swap the liquid for like beer or stout. Um, cheese. I mean, cheese is always going to make everything better. Garlic. Like if you um, like slow roast a bulb of garlic and then squeeze that into the dough. Right. Um, just a quick point on that you have to be really careful mixing these things in and too much isn't always a good thing. So there's like a little, there's like, there is a balance that you want because obviously these things are often heavy and heaviness will, it will just drag your loaf down. It, it won't reach its full potential because of all that weight in there. So there's kind of a balance between um, how much you put in um, and like, you know, getting all the flavor from it. Is there like a ratio that you should be looking at? Say if you start with 500 grams of which a lot of bread flour. I would say 50 grams of something. Really? So yeah. that, that's more. Or maybe 100 if, if it's not too, like if you're doing like seeds or something like that, maybe 100 grams of like toasted sunflower, pumpkin, uh, sesame, like a mix of something like that mm -hmm. um, will, will, will be, be perfect. Right. Yeah, because you kind of, it's going to be a little bit denser from them. Um, and the other way you can, if you don't want to like ruin the texture of your bread on the inside, you can actually put them on the outside. So um, basically, if you, when you when you would usually put your like, like maybe like slash your bread and put it into the oven, you could get a little pot with a little pastry brush and just paint all over the outside and then just sprinkle it with mm -hmm. poppy seeds, sesame seeds, sunflower seeds, um, rolled oats. You get a really nice crunch then as you well, do. don't you? Yeah, yeah. And and they don't burn in the oven because I always worry about that they're going to kind of burn. But seeds have got quite a nice little. Yeah, they're pretty hardy actually. Yeah, pretty yeah. hardy. What about spices? Because I'm thinking I've seen quite a lot of turmeric bread around. Is that just a? I think that might just be a bit of a fad. Makes it yellow. <laughs> um, I, I, I th do you remember I made a sourdough with like caramelized onions and and it just didn't really and like turmeric and it just it just didn't work. It was one of you. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't a great one. Um, Not the fact that you're still talking about it though. It's like. <laughs> well, that's because I wanted it to work. It had caramelized onions in it. The caramelized onions weren't the problem. I think it was no. the turmeric that it was just a little bit too punchy. And yeah, I mean, uh, things like fennel seed. 
really really good if you did like um this like a i think it's a german bread it's like um coriander like coriander seeds fennel seeds raisins nuts caraway um traditional um yeah what when's the optimum time to to be adding in your i guess if it's like is there some that's better to be put in at the start and then some that you add in the kneading process yeah so if you're doing like a no knead process then it probably towards the end you're just going to gently fold it through but if you're doing a kneaded bread you're doing all the hands-on work at the start so you need to get that ingredient in at the start otherwise it just you'll really struggle to get it in it and it'll probably sit in pockets through your bread which will kind of drag it down and make it even heavier um so yeah usually at the beginning or if you're doing no need or sourdough it'd be towards the end what about if it's just something really light, like you said, like like seeds? Can you put them in with the flour or do you, is it best to knead them in so they're suspended? I mean, it's it's one of those things that if you, it's, it, I mean, you can just chuck them in at the start, but for optimum gluten development at the start, it's better to let that develop on its own without anything else in there, then try and add your things. But if you're doing like a, like a kneaded bread, you, you just have to, you have to just get it in there early cool. and then it will build it. It'll just do what it wants after that thanks for that adam loves brilliant tips there we're going to be recording a bonus episode to this which will go out later on in the week and adam's going to be walking us through one of his favorite bread recipes and all of the tips and tricks that you need to get that right so look out for that but um, mm-hmm. thanks again for coming to chat to us Cheers. today adam that was brilliant no worries thanks that was the olive magazine podcast for more information on things we talked about in this episode and to check our back catalogue of over 200 episodes head to olivemagazine.com